0: Welcome to Level with Emily Reese. This is music by Alexa Lazauchuk for Horizon Forbidden West. The game isn't out yet, the soundtrack isn't out yet, but Sony Classical, the label for the soundtrack, released a four-track EP of music from Forbidden West, including one of Alexa's tracks called Eyes Open. So Alexa and I talked about that track, Eyes Open, but also, Sony released a State of Play video with about 20 minutes of gameplay, including a battle with a machine animal called a Tremor Tusk, that you can see in the video. Alexa wrote the music for that battle in that video, in the game, of course, and we chat about that track too. We started off talking about how Alexa ended up with the opportunity to write music for Horizon Forbidden West.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was a little bit of a process. Um, at the time, I was basically I left Capcom and started my own um, company called Interleave. I'm a creative director there, but I oversee different. Uh, we do kind of music for games, audio for games, uh, film and TV, and the whole bit. And so that was kind of a new venture that we had. But what allowed me to do that was. Um, Dave Gomes, uh, he used to be an audio producer, project manager for us at Capcom. He went to Gorilla and, you know, my, s- my eldest son and I at one point, it was take your kid to work day. And we sat down and um, part of the day was to just play some games in one of the rooms at Capcom and Horizon Zero Dawn was one of the games that was there. So I'd never played it, never heard of it, just <sighs> saw the cover, looked beautiful. I was like, all right, let's check this out. Put it in, watch the first, you know a bit of intro cinematics to the whole setup, of a story of Aloy, and i was just really drawn in by this beautiful world and this beautiful music and i was like i was like i gotta figure out a way to work on this project (laughs) or not this project but just work with this team because what the world that they were creating was really beautiful and so time went on eventually dave went to gorilla i heard through the grapevine and then i just reached out to him and just said hey you know, I don't know what girl's next project is, but I'd love to be considered, you know, to have a chance to pitch or audition for something. And he replied back and said, actually, um, the team is looking for adding somebody to the team and we're auditioning a bunch of different people and trying to find a, the right fit, you know, and would you like to do a nice. test? And, and so I ended up doing two pieces for that t- test. One was, you know, Uh, if you were to come up with a, a new theme building on the original one you know what would your take be on that um and then the second was to create a piece uh for an underwater scene you know where Aloy is underwater so I just dove right in kind of really ingested like all about the soundtrack and the game um really got a sense of what fans loved from the first game, um, particularly the soundtrack, how they connected emotionally with Aloy and that journey that she went on um, and just really immersed myself in that world. And then I just set it aside and did what I always do. I just went with my intuition and, and wrote what I felt, you know, I felt. And uh, I was lucky enough that the the guerrilla team and the composers actually, it resonated with them and that they, th- they thought it was a good fit. And, and then... Um, basically we met in amsterdam for kind of an initial meetup um bring back the band from the original crew and then add me and we all got along really well and it's been it's been a blast ever since
0: yeah eyes open is absolutely gorgeous and you've talked about that track at great length and so we can talk about that one in just a minute but but let's talk about the Tremor Tusk battle um because I was a huge Horizon Zero Dawn fan I came to it late I didn't play it until I think early 2020 I was think I was finishing it right around the time everything shut down here in Minnesota in March and um so I came to it late but uh, my goodness, it, it was because of friends convincing me like, you have to play this game. This Everything about this game is so wonderful. And one of the things I loved so much was the battle system and how Aloy fights. And the machines that Aloy fights are just incredible. And so now in this game we have a Tremor Tusk, which is already makes me nervous and gives <laughs> me a little anxiety, But um, but your music is so amazing for it. So talk to me about like, had you seen the Tremor Tusk by the time you started writing the music?
1: Yeah, so two things. A, it's an awesome, awesome creature to yeah. battle, which is cool because it's you, you really get this sense of two dimensions of scale. You have Aloy, who is her character and what she's able to accomplish. And then you have this giant mammoth of a, you know, a Tremor Tusk <laughs> that you have to essentially get past and figure out how to uh, take down. So, so I like that fact that there was this personal sense of scale of, you know, David and Goliath in terms of Aloy. um, But also the fact that I had to also represent the threat and intensity of this tremor tusk uh, as well, because it's a battle and you want to, you know, you want to feel threat and, but you also want to feel like you have the potential, you know, to, to overcome it. So You know, I did two trips to Amsterdam uh, before COVID and so had a chance to see some of the concept art uh, before and some of the initial uh, playthroughs. And then I was sent footage afterwards of the battle, like a gameplay capture of the battle itself. So, which is really important to me because for me, when I approach battles or cinematics or just game music in general, I really value that first encounter with the material particularly when I sit down to write and come up with ideas. I literally put up a mic, you know, have the keyboard or guitar or whatever instrument that I want to do in front of me that I sense is going to be appropriate for it. And then on the first watch, I'll press record. And usually what comes out is 75% of the time, it's most of it is there. I, I Most of my kind of work is very imp, um, improvisatory in that sense that it's real time for me in terms of what comes out. It's just very it, like a jazz musician. It's kind of in real time and you adapt and then you tweak it and you produce it after the fact. But the, the essence of, of what you're experiencing is very much like the gamer who's experienced it for the first time. So when I saw this, I literally sat down, looked at the video on, I was, and I was trying to figure out pacing because Aloy, you can see from the footage in the state of play. She's, you know, coming closer moving further away her footfall events are happening like the animations that she is cycling through they come at you know at a certain pace but then you have this giant beast that has its own weight and its own sense of scale that i had to have so i couldn't make her too quick and i couldn't make it too slow and had to find some kind of tempo and kind of a feel where you felt like she could overtake the beast but you also had to feel like you don't know if she's gonna take overtake the beast, right? And so, yeah. it was literally put up the video, press record, and I was just like, I started getting the sense of, of and I was just literally on the first day, I was like, yeah. and I'm just watching in real time, and I was like, yeah. you know, and I just, I ended up using that audio recording of my voice. Putting some distortion on it, figuring out the natural tempo that was in there that I felt when I did it the first time, Um, because when you're scoring it to picture, meaning the the first time that you're looking at the gameplay footage and the kind of the pacing of it, you're kind of adjusting in real time, right? So if it's a battle that lasts whatever a minute, three minutes, or whatever, you're you're kind of making these micro adjustments. Just like a musician yeah. would, you're, you're, or a conductor would, you're kind of changing as you go. And some and usually when we're working in recording, you have to have a grid that you can then, you know, line up, you know, notes, quantize, lock in things so that when you do recordings, you have some plumb line, right? But in this case, over time, it started to gel together and it started to find that pocket, you know? Drummers, they, they talk about sitting in the groove, you know, finding, and it's like, it literally is sometimes like, one BPM slower, one BPM faster, and you or half a BPM, and it's just just that difference. It's like, wow, her foot is Aloy's foot is falling just a bit too quick, just a bit too quick. And then you dial it back and you're like, oh, the beast, it's not, it's just not naturally landing with its animations where it's going. And so it was this initial process of feeling it and experiencing it for the first time. And then just finding that sweet spot of Finding the perfect tempo, basically, and and then building it up from there. And so, getting back to your initial question of starting off with a voice, distorting it, getting a sense of where I wanted to go, and then I just started building up. So I recorded, you know, different cello, contrabass parts with it, and then going through a bunch of mangling and distortion on that, adding a bunch of analog synths, kind of, and and trying different things that were nasty and gnarly. And then realizing, like, once you stack them, if you have, like, a... It's like, it's monodal. It's like one, you know, it's one melody where it's like the orchestra being in unison, stacked over across five octaves or whatever. Like, everybody's playing the same thing together. And sometimes, because this beast and Ailo are taking up so much space sonically in terms of the sound effects, in terms of the design, we have to figure out a way, musically, how do you fill in the gaps in the space in between those things, right?
0: I wanna know about, you know, Working with voice, because I know that you do that in this game, right? But but on other tracks than what we're talking about today.
1: Well, so I can speak to what is, you know, shared publicly. Uh, I think Sony released, uh, we did a composer kind of spotlight um, mm-hmm. thing. I think they're... Um, where yeah, it, shows it shows me working you. with a choir, I worked with Musica Intima, which was kind of the top chamber um, really? vocal group, in yeah, in Canada here. And oh, so, I love that group! Wow. Some of the pieces I wrote for nine voices, separate parts. Yeah, I can't wait for you to hear it. It's it's a lot of fun. Yeah. I mean, they did have choral music in uh, vocal music in Horizon Zero Dawn uh, as well on the soundtrack. It's a little different than that was, um, just a bit more um, in some respects. Um, a bit more primal at, at times and in other cases uh, a little bit um, r- uh, denser or richer and others just even by virtue of it being written for nine voices. But it's kind of cool. I, I love that. I mean, you know, for my other work, I work with choirs and I love writing mm-hmm. choral music and other stuff. And, and I love folk music and music from around the world in all different traditions. And so for me, my voice is my primary instrument, right? I can mm-hmm. play other stuff and it's great, but there's no better way than connecting with other people through your voice, you know, um, mm-hmm. doesn't matter if you can sing or not. It's like it's it's it was the first thing we heard in our mother's womb, right? Is yeah. that a voice singing or doing a lullaby? So I think I tried it in games, and I did that on dr I, I always try to incorporate as much as the human voice as I can because I think people do are drawn to it, um, and and fans were drawn to Julie's voice as she represented Aloy in the first game, right? And there's a reason mm-hmm. for it. Um, there's just there's a hook, there's something there that people are drawn to. Now, as a composer for games, you have to know when is too much, you know Sometimes too much is having lyrics. Other times it's you can have lyrics, but it's just finding the right lyrics. you know some you, mm-hmm. like there's nothing more annoying for me than music where you know it's text first and then music after. I feel music is a universal language that although the text is important, I feel like you should be able to communicate universal a universality wordlessly just because i think a child should be able to appreciate it and understand it and or it should be simple enough that anybody can appreciate it but also complex enough if you want to analyze it and and rich enough that you can burrow down right so but yeah it was it was a lot of fun working on the the coral stuff as well for this game
0: Let's just briefly talk about the other track that's out. I know you've, sure. uh, like I mentioned, you've done deep dives on, on other podcasts, uh, and so I definitely encourage people to listen to Kate Remington's uh, podcast about it. But it's, it's a really great track, and it's beautiful, and uh, as I've come to expect from you, the melody is absolutely fabulous, and there's just beautiful string writing,
1: so, so talk to me a- about it the way Lucas, the music supervisor for *Gorilla*, constructed uh, Forbidden West and wanted to, to change things a bit, not not in a uh, changing them radically, but just expanding what was done in the first game, was to play with this, he called it a nexus. It was basically a nexus of emotion, so that essentially our goal was to expand our feeling of Aloy's emotions throughout her journey. And so started off with the idea of having like a, you know, pizza pie in different slices, and each slice represented a different emotion, a human emotion that was shared universally. So anger, sadness, uh, calm, enraged, or whatever the human emotion was. And he would get all the composers on the team to write music for different emotions. So in this case, this piece, Eyes Open, was uh, written for uh, scared emotion. And there was two two different... Um, there's three different layers. One was we had exploratory cues, kind of ambient exploration cues. And then we had engaged pieces, which were more like rich, melodically and harmonically rich cues that were quite thematic, used for bigger moments and stuff like that. And then we had a third, which was your vigorous, which was your battles, you know, that kind of thing. And at any point, the music, the interactive music system was set up that you could pass through from one to another. So you're you're always hearing something different. And you could go from one emotion to another emotion, you know, during your sit down and playthrough. And so we had to make music that was really rich and uh, layered deeply so that, you know, if you pare it down at runtime and the game only plays these layers, it's still an interesting enough experience, but that they would work as a whole track. This track in the state of play played when she was underwater Mm. and the title Eyes Open, you know. It's not a scary track like jaws or anything like that, but there is this underlying tension that you, you don't quite know what, what else is lurking, you know, near you or around you. So the string writing, I, uh, was interesting, you know, once I had the structure for the piece and had kind of melodic trajectory and harmonic trajectory for it, it was a matter of figuring out what. Would contour and help us kind of have that subtext, that undercurrent that would go. So in in this case, I I ended up using um, these uh, string harmonic glisses, kind of these not not super slithery, but enough that there was these um, you'd have these kind of little sforzando little clusters and tremolo, yeah. you know. So you have your main melody. Um, which was in the cello by Blair Lofgren, my favorite cellist to work with. And we worked on all the DR stuff together, so we have a really good shorthand. You have this kind of... It's not neutral. You know, there's something (laughs) not totally right. And then you have the violas that... That kind of echoes it. This this back Marco Polo back and forth kind of, mm-hmm. you know, question and answer, interspersed with these uh, harmonics and these different kind of textural things that come in and out. You hear also these, these sidestepping kind of analog synths, again, because we always want to have this mixture of organic and, and yes. synthetic stuff, right? You have this synthetic sub-bass going on. You'll hear it on your podcast, but not over the... Anyways, there's this interplay of things going on and eventually it kind of, there's a trajectory melodically, harmonically, where the piece is just starting to build and unravel and unravel and unravel. And so the way that it was structured was there was a part A, part B, and part C of the cue so that at any point, regardless of where the piece plays, there's enough material to, you know, if you look back from back to front or if you start in the middle or at the end, there's enough elements from each of the other parts that it can still work, uh, and mm. mix and match. And for me, yeah, the string writing was a lot of fun because it was you know, I got to do counterpoint writing, but ultimately you could pare it down to just again, you could sing it. <laughs> yeah. Um and it's very simple. And then in the and then the in this section B we switch to we modulate, da, 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 where we start bringing in the uh, I believe it's the where are we? Bass flute. Um, nice. Like you, I, I instead of the viola now I have the bass flute essentially responding to the cello that's doing this. And I'm and I'm starting to bring in a bit more of a pulse. So I have these kind of. Different synthetic pulses that are coming in. And again, it's like as you modulate in a key in a different section, you also want to introduce new layers and get rid of other ones, you know, just like traditional orchestration or arranging. The difference is you're working not only with organic instruments and timbre, you're working with synthetic things. So you have a pretty wide range of levers that you can pull, and it just builds and builds. Uh, uh, in the middle section, there's this. Um, dun, 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 dun. it's just this like tension tension building like when are we ever going to leave this this root note and like have this ending thing and it climaxes (laughs) with the bass flute again um So I I love that kind of stuff because it's like, it's, it's, you know, and it's in a minor key. It's, it's very, I I call it like womb frequencies, but it's basically these in my uh, DAW that I use, Sequoia, all the waveforms are drawn based on the color spectrum. So I can, I don't even have to listen to audio. I can tell, oh, that's going to sound, that's going to be very rich and warm. And I can tell, oh, that's a sub bass sound or that's like a high flute or that's, you know, cool. That is a really handy thing for me because I'm able to tell even from my mixes pretty quickly. Like I listen to recordings that I love of different really well mixed soundtracks or great albums by people. And I'm like, what is it that is like, why am I responding so strongly to this? And sure enough, I put it up, you know, like I listened to some Patrick Watson. It's great. Great uh, artist from Canada. His albums are just beautifully produced and made. And sure enough, I put them up, and it's there's the womb frequencies again. They're like that be- rich, deep blue. It's like right in the cello <laughs> sweet spot range. The difference with Horizon is that we extend it. So Yoris, demand for the the original composer, or one of the original composers from Zero Dawn. What he did that was really brilliant was he added this synth sub bass to extend the range of your string octet or quintet on the low end and then also added on the top end the contrabass flute but played in a way and mixed in a way where you hear a lot of the that kind of stuff of it but you hear the low resonance as well so you have this big gap in the middle for what well for the blue the blue spectrum right and so that's the rich spectrum where all the melodies and lovely harmonies usually sit so for me like this middle section part b it's not only that it's melodically a bit more modal and uh, easier to relate to um Mm -hmm. it's not complex harmonies and stuff it's more but it's also that we get this feeling of safety a bit more right the the, the layers the textures that are going on are consonant with harmonically this simplification and and so your triads lock in it's a soothing thing and then we build up the tension again, right? So then we, right after that, we pick it up again with da, da, da. But now it's with a pulse. So you have the hammered piano. (laughs) So you have that, but you still have your, your string glisses. that are still there so like nice and at that runtime the game can play um I was telling Kate at runtime you can depending on what Lucas has set up for the interactivity you could end up just with strings and or just you could even literally just have hammered piano and so you get a sense harmonically where the piece is going yeah But you, it's just, you You see the scene in a completely different way. So that's kind of exciting as a composer for interactive um, media, you get to, like gamers as they play the game and how they play the game uh, ultimately affects the soundtrack that comes out, right? Yes. So it's a very rewarding and rich experience, not only as a creator, but also as a, as a listener to the game remixes that they do by playing the games, you know? Yeah, (laughs)
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. It's
1: kind of cool that way. super excited to share more. It's a beautiful game. It's a powerful game. The soundtrack, uh, Yoris, The Flight, Niels and myself have been working really hard with Lucas and Gorilla and Sony to make something really special. It gets me excited to work, to get up and work on it. And so all I can say is it's, you know, it's special.
0: I know that you play a ton of instruments. Uh, and I'm just curious what all you played, at least on these two tracks. I know you talked about the horn sure. that you played and, and things like that. But uh, what else did you did you pull
1: out for that? So in these ones, well, in general, I played trombita. I played a bunch of guitar uh I actually did a bunch of dulcimer plucking. So there's a Ukrainian oh, dulcimer yeah. called zimbale. And I would kind of pluck it with my fingers and nails uh, just to get different resonances off the, the board. Obviously played the various keyboard stuff and performed a lot of uh, on buffalo drum where i would tune in the this eyes open i would tune it to the root note and then i would kind of treat it like an 808 for like hip-hop drums i would basically tune each of the different notes i'd resample and pitch them afterwards to hit so and i got to tell you the buffalo drum is one of the baddest organic 808 sounds that like especially when you drop it and resample it another um Repitching it in another lower octaves because you get to hear all these beautiful overtones that you wouldn't hear necessarily with a like a synthetic eight oh eight and stuff. Yeah, a bunch of other stuff. Um oh I played uh Ukrainian flutes called Sopilkas. They're wooden flutes, I have a whole range of like contrabass to piccolo um of them. Trying to see what else here. I don't know. I just, honestly, the way I, I look at projects as an excuse to get stuff off Craigslist or hire, you know, buy stuff or rent stuff. So I had a friend, <laughs> I had a friend who, um, she plays the concert harp. She had like an English 40 string or 50 string harp. And I just bored it, uh, and had, a had like three weeks with it where I, and I just had a bunch of, I could tune it how I wanted to, which was awesome. I could <laughs> use different mallets on it. So I would. I would have this harp and I would kind of like finger different clusters, harmonic clusters, mm-hmm. and then just kind of create patterns and textures out of it. And other times I would bow it and uh, do things. So it's kind of like a lab. I try to work with organic sources now and then kind of decimate them and abstract them, you know, or granularize them after the fact, kind of just work with what you got. And, and for me, it always starts with a voice first, right? So.
0: Thanks for listening to Level with Emily Reese. You can learn more about Alexa Lozauchuk and see a playlist at patreon.com slash level. I'm Emily Reese. Sam Keenan is our producer. Say hi, Sam. Hi. You can follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Level with Emily and learn more about us at levelwithemily.com. Made possible by Adam Selvage at Tiki Web Services and composer Brad Gentle. Level with Emily Reese is a production of June Media, Inc.